Before I jump into the middle of the sermon, I do want to give a shout out to Lee Creek Baptist Church. Um, Very humbling experience for me to go and be a part of a pastor's conference there. Uh, Simple, backwoods, country folk. And they have a pastor there. It's a mega church. They have 30 people in their mega church. And I'm, I'm just, I don't even know how to compute it, but here's a church of 30 to 40 people, and they got a pastor who loves pastors. It's a rare thing. He loves pastors. So he does a conference to encourage pastors. So he invites 50 pastors to come and to be encouraged. He pays all their expenses. 50 motel rooms at $79.99 a night for two nights. Roughly in my mind, that's about $8,000. Plus all the food. And then the stack of books that he gave away. Roughly around $10,000. And they've been doing it for 10 years. That's $100,000. Out of a church of 30 people, because their pastor said, we need to love pastors. I'm sitting there in that room, and I'm thinking, this man is touching 50 congregations. I'm as happy as I could be today. I was so encouraged and blessed. These guys barely got out of high school. That's their own testimony. They barely got out of high school. They didn't go to no seminary, and they're like, we read this book, and we pastor, and that's how we know what we know. They love God, and they love the Word of God, and they preached like it was the last time they was ever going to preach. I sat there and was happy every sermon. I, I just got through listening to eight hours of preaching. You're like, oh my goodness. It was the greatest weekend of my life. It was just good. I left there, my, my cup overflows. It was just good. And so now I have a whole new set of brothers and sisters. I was texting people this morning. I was like, man, preach the word today. And they're like, yeah, yeah. It's like just so encouraging. There's other guys out there. Little bitty churches. You say, what's the name? You don't even know these people. They don't even exist on the radar. They never make the news. Nobody cares nothing about them. But heaven is keeping records. Man, it was just a great blessing to be a part. Well, I say all that. That's all my excuses for why I didn't have to prepare a sermon this week. All right. Now, I didn't have time for John because I didn't have time. So, this morning's message is Psalm chapter 23. Psalm chapter 23. I hope you get something out of one of these lines somewhere in here. Um, so, I have no title and I have no point. So, Hopefully the text will speak for itself. Very familiar. You've heard it at every funeral you've gone to or it was in the handout they handed you in the door when you went to the funeral. At least it's very, very common to do so. So let me read the text and uh, I have to read it. I could quote it, but if I start quoting it, it comes out King James by the time I'm done. All right. So Psalm 23. And let us, my, what's my motive here? Really, my, my motive this morning, I, I just want to encourage you. I, I really do. I, I just took a sermon. I was like, I just want to give something that would encourage you, refresh you, and build you up. Sometimes I've come across a little too harsh, I'm sure. So my motive today is just to encourage you. And I hope you find something that will give your heart joy. Psalm 23, 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want... Rednecks add, nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. 
He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord. And I would insert now and forever. Lord, I simply ask, Holy Spirit, that you will take these words, encourage the saints of this church, that they would be strengthened, refreshed, and built up in regards to being a part of a flock that has a good shepherd. And Lord, I pray that if there's any man, woman, boy, girl, or child that is lost in this room, that at the end of this sermon, they would say, I want a shepherd like that. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, a little chronological order for introduction, but in the Gospel of John, as our text starts out with the Lord is my shepherd, I learned this in the New Testament chronologically. I learned that in John chapter 10, that he is the good shepherd. As I read a little bit further, I come to the end of the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, and I find out that he is the great shepherd. I read a little bit further, and I come to 1 Peter, chapter 5, verse 4, and I find out that he is the chief shepherd. He's good. He's great. He's chief. There's not one above Better than, more full than, this shepherd. This is, this, the Lord is our shepherd. He is a compassionate shepherd. He is a wise shepherd. He is a faithful shepherd. He is a generous shepherd. He is a valiant shepherd. He defends his sheep. He fights for his sheep. He lays his life down for his sheep. This shepherd is precious and good and kind and beautiful and sweeter than honey, even the drippings of the honeycomb. There's no other one like this shepherd. No one cares for your soul like this shepherd cares. I, just, I hope that you will learn to love him for who he is. Now, who he is does give implication to what he does, but you ought to love him just simply because 
of who He is. He is the shepherd, the good one, the great one, the chief one. And it is a chapter of the personal pronouns, is it not? And maybe that's why we love the thing. There's personal pronouns everywhere in this thing. I, I didn't take the time to count them. But if you read through this psalm and you just read the personal pronouns, it would sound something like this. My, I, me, my, me, 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 he, I, me, my, me, my, I. It's a very personal chapter. This is I. This is my. This is me. This is, this is all these things about this shepherd have implication for my soul. He's my shepherd. This is what he does for me. This is what I shall do because of what he does for me. This this psalm is very personal. That's why I think it has such resonance to us. Even to this day, probably the most known chapter in all of the Bible. And people run to this at almost every funeral that you go. You go here, there's something, there's salve, salve for a, a deep wound for your spirit. And I think that's why we find ourselves here. I'm, I'm almost 53 years into this deal, and I keep coming back here on so many occasions just for my own soul. Now, I want you to see, though, for yourself in the text, in the first line, And I hope that it would be true of you that he would be, you could say, my shepherd. I don't want him to be your pastor's shepherd, your grandmother's shepherd, your daddy's shepherd. That's not good enough. That's not beneficial enough for your soul. He needs to be your shepherd. You need to be able to be on your knees before God and say, my shepherd. Shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd. Don't say your king or that went over there, but a very personal relationship with this shepherd. Now, out of this first verse, there are at least three things that stand out very clearly to me about a shepherd. And so I just bring those before you, and hopefully they would encourage you. But I'm, I'm not a shepherd in the sense of uh, of taking care of real sheep, but As I think about shepherd, I would think these three things are at least part of what goes on with the shepherd. Number one, they provide everything you need. And you'll see that in the next verse. You see green grass, you see fresh water, you see restoration, you see being led led in the right path. We'll talk about that in a moment. But all those things must be provided for a sheep. The sheep cannot provide those things for themselves. Every, look, every day, you may go to McDonald's, I have no idea why, but you may go to a fast food restaurant, and I have no idea why that you do that either. But nevertheless, you may go there, but that's not where your food was provided from. Your shepherd provides you with the ability to work. He provides you with a job. He provides you with resources. He provides you with intellect. He provides you with health. He provides you with something to drive to get there. He provides all of these things in order that you can sit down at a table and have a meal. At least acknowledge that it's your shepherd who cares so much for you that he would provide that. But that's just the... That's just the earthly, if you will, the temporal. But he provides every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies 
He provides for you. Everything you need for this life and for the life to come, your shepherd ensures that you have it. You don't even have to go to seminary to get it. You don't have to have all of this education to get it. Look, your shepherd provides for the lowest, for the highest, for those in the middle. He is a providing shepherd. None of his sheep shall starve. And I think there's another thing that we can know about a shepherd. And I see this in the Lord Jesus Christ. He protects He defends. He's not some wimpy, pansy, effeminate-looking picture that you've seen on the wall. He's manly. He's tough. He takes upon the devil and all of hell at face value and stands up and doesn't run from any obstacle. He's a real man. He fights and defends his sheep. The last thing you want to do is to come in his sheepfold and try to take one of his sheep and abuse them. This this is your shepherd. He'll fight to the death for you even if it cost him his very own life. He'd lay it down in order to spare you. Take me, let these go. You you take out all of your hatred on me, but you let these 12 free because I'm not going to let you touch them. What a shepherd that we have. And he would send messages in the epistles. He would send us messages. He would tell the pastors, man, you protect the sheep. You you got somebody teaching heresy, you get rid of them. You warn them once, you warn them twice, you have nothing more to do with them. You fight to keep purity in the church. You run out heresy and you stand fast on the truth. Don't let my people be deceived. Bring them the word of God, verse by verse, line by line. Teach my sheep. If you don't, I'm going to have a talk with you. Purchased her with his own bride. He protects her. And he shall come back and take her unto himself. But also say that he possesses his sheep. Yeah, it's somewhere in the Bible. Psalm 100. If it's not there, we'll move on. Psalm 100. Yes, verse 3. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. And we are His. We are His people. We are the sheep of His pasture. He he possesses us, carries us. His very own. John, 1 John chapter 3, we should be called the children of God, and so we are. Right now, as a saint, you're a child of the king. You're a sheep with a shepherd who possesses you, owns you. And there's good news in John 17, is there not? He has never lost one, except for the son of perdition, because it was determined that he would go astray. But he's never lost any that he's possessed. Look, you can lay down and sleep at night because of this stuff. When I die, I'm going home. He's never lost a sheep. He always holds his very own, tenderly caring and loving them until the very end. What a great shepherd we have. Verses 2 and 3, look there at the text. uh, Well, before, let me, I forgot one word, and it's, it's the most important word actually. If you take providing, protecting, and possessing, what should that equal for you? The shepherd provides, the shepherd protects, and the shepherd possesses. What should that equal for you? 
I can tell you, it's one word. For you, it ought to equal satisfaction. Why on earth would I look for another? Like, is there somebody else that can provide better for me? Is there someone else that can do a better job of protecting my soul? Is there someone else that could take possession of me and own me in a better relationship? I know not another. I mean, I'm satisfied. I'm I'm not looking for an improvement. I mean, I find nothing but perfection in my shepherd. Come on, please get this. You, you don't understand how much of a bonehead I am. I'm an absolute idiot train wreck. Look, I, I mess myself up. I do, do stupid things all the time. Look, if I was shepherding me, I would have slaughtered me. I mean, get rid of this sheep because he causes way too much trouble, right? That My shepherd hasn't thrown me away. I'm amazed by that. I would have thrown myself away. I'm trying to tell you, your shepherd hasn't thrown you away. Why would you look for another? You have one who loves you, cares about your soul, has prepared for your eternity, is building a place for you that where he is, you may be also. He loves you. He came from heaven to rescue you and redeem you and call you his very own. What great shepherd we have. How in the world can a Baptist church be dead? I don't get it. You have the best shepherd in the universe, and yet a lot of times we have no joy. Good night, we ought to have joy. What a shepherd. Verses 2 and 3. He makes, he leads, he restores, he leads. Leads beside still waters, he leads me in the paths of righteousness. Now we could do this a long time, but I shall make it short. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Let me give you a New Testament application of that verse. Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. Let me apply that verse from the New Testament. And I think this is what this line means. He makes me lie down in in green pastures. When I read that, I think of Matthew 11, and I think of verse 28. Here's what my shepherd says to me. Is there anybody, let me, before I read the verse, is there anybody in this room that ever gets tired? Do you ever have a, you ever say something like, I'm so busy? Anybody? We'll we'll be Arminian. Everybody raise your hand. Okay, everybody's saved. I'll baptize you in a minute. (laughs) Wait, that's the SBC. Okay. All right. Um, so we get tired. We get busy. We run, we run, 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 right? Come to me. That's what the shepherd says. Come to me. Stop it. Stop it. Just come. Just come to me. I'll give you something. I'll give you rest. You don't have to be tired. You don't have to be busy. You just come to me. All of you that labor and are heavy laden, there's a promise. Come be with me. I'll give you rest. I need to get away. I need this. Great. I've got a great plan. You need to get away? Go to your shepherd. Go to your shepherd. Sit alone with him. Pour out your heart before him. Tell him all of your labor and all of your heavy burdens. Lay it all out before him. And he promises 
give you rest. He leads me beside still waters. I'm a person who sees that and I think of refreshment. I think about walking through a a, a desert, a wilderness, a dry land, a place of famine, and I'm thinking in a situation like that, if somebody gave me water, I would be refreshed. Look at John chapter 14, making New Testament applications for three of these, not all four of them. John 14 and verse 27. John 14, 27. Here is the greatest refreshment that I can think of. There's one in Romans as well, but here it is. You ready? This is your your time of refreshment. This is your favorite drink. Peace I leave with you. What? My shepherd gave me peace? He says, no, 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 it's better than that. The peace that the shepherd has with his father, that peace, he says, I give it to you. You mean... Therefore, since we've been justified, Apostle Paul, Romans, since we've been justified, we have peace right now. I'm not worried about whether I'm going to hell or not. I'm really not. I'm not going to hell. You say, well, how can you say that? My shepherd won't let me. He redeemed me, he restored me, and he gave me peace with God. You see, before I was in enmity with God, and God was angry with the wicked every day, and somewhere in the middle there's this mediator named Jesus who reconciled these two parties, and now we've got peace. I can lay down and sleep at night. My sins have been forgiven. All condemnation is gone. I'm a saint. I'm a child of God. I've been redeemed, and I've been adopted. Father, and I am his son, and when I die, I'm going home restores, refreshes me. It refreshes me to know this because when I listen to my own voice and listen to the voices of the world, I get all blackness and darkness and negativity and everybody's going to hell. Well, it's not true. I got a shepherd who's refreshed my thinking and he's refreshed my heart. He's given me a nice cold cup of water to drink in Jesus' name and I have peace and every saint should have that because the shepherd provides that. Thirdly, he restores He restores my soul. I need my soul to be restored. Now, the Hebrew word behind this has to do with turning one back to the right path. Turning one back to the right path. We don't have to read it, but you will remember. (laughs) There's an apostle who needed restoration. I don't know the man. I swear to you, I do not know the man. I don't know who he is. You know that's Peter. He he, he fell off the wagon in a sense. He got off course. He's he's walking the wrong way. I've never met him. Then you get to John 21. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? One day, God willing, we'll get to John 21. And when I get there, I'm going to say something like this. This is Jesus restoring Peter to the apostolic ministry. Giving him back, bringing him back to the right path. Walk this way. Get your soul right continue forward. Now, I read this in a book somewhere. I'm not stealing it, but somebody said it, not me. So sheep, I do know this, sheep are dumb. And so you take them out in the pasture and you feed them. And sheep will, well, literally, they'll eat themselves to death if you don't guard them from doing that. Give them a barrel of corn, they'll eat till they die. It's just the way they are. So they get real full and they'll lay down to sleep because they're full. That's what babies do, right? But sometimes when they lay down, the the terrain would be at an angle. And so as they lay down, the weight shifts in them, 
and they can't, they can't get up. And so it shifts a little further, and then they got their feet kicking, and they can't get back on their feet. And they literally would die like that. And so to restore the soul was to get them back up on their feet again and help them to stand so they didn't die. Your shepherd does that for you. Have you ever been laying on your back in a sense and saying, man, I can't even get out of the mess that I'm in. I can't recover. Well, you got a shepherd who will help you recover. He'll come along and pick you up out of your depression. He'll come pick you up out of your stinking thinking. He'll come and pick you up out of all your negativity, put you on your feet and say, remember your shepherd. He restores your soul. And then... The fourth thing he does in verse 3, he leads me in the paths of righteousness. Now, this is an Old Testament application, but Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 53, look there, just one verse, the whole chapter is wonderful, but one verse, it's to be um, led in the path of righteousness has to be, in Isaiah 53, every one of us, we're like sheep. And we've gone astray. We have turned, every one of us, to his own way. How do you correct this course? You take all the sins of the sheep and you lay them on the shepherd. Boy, howdy. It was right there that you have an opportunity for an amen. Every sin of every sheep, off course, going the wrong way. It's laid on the shepherd. And he pays your debt. The iniquity of us all. He takes every bit of our failure and pays it in full that you can be a free sheep. Man, he done that. He did all of that because you're so great. While he was on the cross, you were on his mind. No, 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 read the Bible. He did all of that for his own name. That all the world would look at this shepherd and say, I've never met someone like that. Every false religion is trying to appease their God. And in Christianity, we have a God who would come and redeem us out of his own free grace that even the angels of heaven would stoop and look over and wonder, how in the world did he make those people sheep? Who does this? Who redeems people like us? Puts us on a right path. May all of heaven... Never cease, night or day, all the seraphim, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. What an amazing shepherd to redeem us, pay our sins, and set us on the right path. Now, verse 4. I do want you to notice a shift in verse 4. Personal pronouns again here are, are pronouns, not personal, but pronouns. Interestingly, Verses 2 and 3, okay? He, 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 he. You see that in verses 2 and 3. Then you move into verse 4, and you will find at the, towards the end of the verse, you, your, and then verse 5, you, and you. Here's, here's what's going on. As he's talking, it's like if I was talking to Cody here, if I say he in reference to the Lord, I'm talking to Cody about the Lord. This is what he does. This is what he does. This is what he does. This would be our communication. 
But if I turn that and I say, you, 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 now I've left Cody and I'm having a personal conversation with my shepherd. This is what you do. This is what you do. And so this is a shift here to the you. Now it's become very personal. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Because you're with me. That's why. That's the whole reason is because you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort my soul. Now, the old Puritans would say it like this. Death is a very ominous word. Correct? I don't like to talk about death. It's an ominous word. Our shepherd is so good to us that he gives us four words as a medicine for the ominous word of death. He gives us four words to alleviate all your fears about death. You say, well, what are the four words? Shadow. The shadow of a sword has never killed anyone. It's just a shadow. Second word that he gives you, valley. It is a valley. And in valleys it can be cool. In valleys it can be dark. In valleys, there can be danger. But in the valley, there's also fruit. There's also vegetation. And so in that valley, there's good things along the way. And then it gives a third word, walk. We must walk in this world. But we walk into another one. And let me give you the best word to alleviate death. It's the word through. I may die for sure, that's 100%, but I'm going through it. I'm not residing in it. And the reason is, is my Savior went through it first, and he's the firstborn among many brethren. So he goes to death, he went through it. I'll pass through because my head has already passed through. Man, that's good stuff. I say amen to it myself. All right, verse 4, uh, what else can I say? Calamity, death, I've already told you about that. Have confidence from verse 4. And as I think about confidence, how can I not think about my favorite chapter in all the Bible? And it is, as you know, Psalm 46. God is our refuge. God is our strength. An ever-present help in trouble. Right? Therefore, we, we will not fear. That's what Psalm 23 said. And I'm not going to fear. I mean, why would I fear? Even if the whole earth gives way. Even if the mountains are moved into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam. Though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. Let's just pause and think about it for a minute. God is my refuge. God is my strength. Exactly what do I have to be afraid of? Anything that would bring fear is cast out by perfect love, and my Savior, my shepherd, loves me perfectly. Confidence. And I would also say from Psalm 23, 4, that we have a companion. Anybody in this room, you don't have to show your hands, but anybody in this room ever felt like you're all alone? Maybe you've said something like this. 
Nobody cares about me. I don't have no friends. Nobody cares what I do. I sit down here and do blah, blah, blah. Nobody cares. If I, if I died tomorrow, nobody would know. I'm all alone. Nobody cares. Nobody loves. It hurts. Maybe you said it from real anguish of heart. Let me just remind you from Psalm 23, 4. As a sheep, dear friend, you're never alone. Ever. Think about, think about your shepherd. This, this verse has been one of the most helpful verses in all of holy writ for my soul. John chapter 16. Because my shepherd understands. Your shepherd understands these things. Think about your shepherd and his sheep right there near unto him. he got this little band following him everywhere he goes. And when things get tough, they all run away. Every last stinking one of them. And Jesus is all alone. And at that very moment, he can say our lines. Nobody cares. Nobody loves. Nobody's with me. Nobody's got my back. They've all run away like a bunch of cowards. Thanks a lot. But look at John 16, verse 32. The hour's it has come when you will be scattered, all his apostles, disciples, each to his own home, and you're going to leave me alone. Ha <laughs> No, you're not. Yet I am not alone. The Father is with me. Look at Psalm, I'll give you one more. I know I'm going to run out of time, but Psalm 62. Look at Psalm 62 very quickly. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. Verse 2, he alone is my rock and my salvation. Verse 6, or verse 5, for God alone, oh my soul, wait in silence. Verse 8, verse 6, he alone is my rock and salvation. If you're a sheep, you repented of your sins, you believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ, you've been baptized by immersion, you are a sheep, right? So you've got a shepherd. You will never in all of eternity future be alone. Ever. You cannot rightly and justly say, nobody loves me. You're a liar. You're a liar. You say, how can you say that? Because your shepherd loves you. And he's the only one that matters. You say, well, I don't think the people at church love me. That's all right. I don't love them either. Right? I mean, just, I mean, in a real sense, the only real, genuine, unadulterated love that you will ever experience is from your shepherd. It's not tainted. It has no sin in it. It's pure, it's undefiled, it's perfect in every way. He loves you more than you love yourself. It's a great shepherd. Verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Bounty is found here in this table. Now, I'm going to skip some because I'm going to run out of time, but I've pondered this verse quite a bit in my life. What kind of table is before me, and what does it mean in the presence of my enemies? And so this is my take this morning, and I may have another take tomorrow. But right now, this is where I'm at. I'm in Romans 8, and I'm in John 6. Romans chapter 8, and that's not the verse you're thinking of, but, but Romans 8, verse 32. Think about a table spread with everything I need in the presence of my enemies. Here's what my shepherd, here's what your shepherd does. He who did not spare his own son, that's the shepherd, 
but gave him up for us all, how will he, our shepherd, not also with him, graciously give us everything? What a table. Everything he will give. And then you go to John, and you go to chapter 6, just one short little verse there. You go to John chapter 6, and you look at verse 55, and you just chew, no pun intended, chew on this the rest of the day. John 6 and verse 55. The shepherd says, My flock, right in the midst of a world that hates God, He prepared a table, and in the center of the table was a cross. And right on that cross, Christ the shepherd was provided that you could eat, and that you could drink, your soul could be fed, and your spirit could be satisfied, because right in the midst of a world that hated him, we ate and drank freely. What a shepherd. Blessings beyond all blessings, I see in verse 5. You anoint my head with oil. You talk about blessing. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit is no deceit. Those blesseds are for every single Your sins are forgiven. They're all washed away, and he's not getting a tally of your sins every day because he's already paid them off. What a shepherd. Oriental custom. Visitor comes by, blessing. They honor them, anoint them, and declare them welcome. That's what's going on here. Your shepherd, your shepherd honors you anoints you, your cup overflows. Everybody wanting a second blessing and to get more of the Spirit. I'm like, you must be biblically illiterate. What are you going to give me more? i got to get baptized in the Spirit. Dude, I still haven't fathomed the shepherd yet. And all that he does. And by the way... Whatever amount of work I need from the Spirit of the living God, my shepherd gave me his Spirit until he returns and sealed me until the day of redemption. I'm not a halfway Christian. I'm the whole deal. He gave me everything I need for this life and the life to come. And every day he provides and he protects and he possesses me. And I never lack one good thing, ever. I remember long, you know, I got in this controversy with a bunch of goofball masons here in this church. Some of you remember that. And I remember this guy, you don't even know this guy. I was a member of this church. And he walked around, had a little oxygen tank, a little oxygen hose. And man, he was all kind of mad when I started talking about the masons. And he come back here to my office. I don't even know the guy's name. Let me tell you something, boy. He's got this little sarcastic bitterness about him. He's like, I can go anywhere in the country. And if anywhere in the country I stop and I need something, I can make one phone call and it'll be taken care of. And I said, whoop. Right? I said, look, I can go anywhere in the world. And I can make one phone call from my knees and everything will be taken care of. I don't need the lodge for that. I've got a shepherd. 
Well, let's try to land this airplane. Verse 6. Surely. Anybody like this stuff? I mean, surely wrath and judgment and bitterness will follow me. What kind of nonsense? Sheep don't talk. Mercy, can, can you put yourself here? Will follow me. All of my life, there's just going to be goodness and mercy that's going to be coming upon me. Look in just, I don't know, I, I, I don't like this verse because preachers have overworked it, but right now I like it, and I'm going to use it because right this moment I like it. In my Father's house are many rooms. Hey guys, if it wasn't so, I wouldn't have told you. I'm going to prepare a place. This is your shepherd speaking. I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going up here to glory, and I'm preparing it for my sheep. And look, if I go and put in that much labor to prepare a place for you, I guarantee you this, I will come again. What will you do when you come again? I'll come with myself. That way you can be where I am for all of eternity. Yeah, my shepherd is going to bring me home. Look, John Flavel says it this way. This is, a, this is a, a botched paraphrase. If you're a sojourner in the world with an eye towards heaven, you're like a horse. And everything you carry is a burden until you get to the barn. Because at the barn, they take it off whether it's the plow or the saddle, the blanket or whatever it is, when I get to the barn, they take it all off and then the horse is free. Look, all of this world may be a burden, but when I get home to the barn, it's all coming off. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And then there's a great quote by a guy you read all the time, Giovanni Diodati. 1576 to 1649, Genevan-born Italian Calvinist theologian and a translator who translated the first translation of the Bible from the Hebrew and the Greek into French. That's who he is. And on this line, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You'll find this nowhere else. It certainly ain't in the NIV. Not in the NIV. That was my joke. Okay. This is what he says. On this last line, I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Listen closely. I believe it with all my heart. I shall dwell in his church in this world and in the everlasting kingdom in heaven afterwards. The rest of my life, I'll dwell in his church because I'm a sheep. What a, what a deal. That I'll dwell in his eternal kingdom. I have a word for a sinner, and I have a word for a saint to conclude with. Sinner, will you be saved? You're wandering on a dark mountain. Will you take Jesus as your shepherd right now? Your wants and your needs are numerous. You are lost, lost, lost. And only the shepherd can get you home. Would you try? 
for the saint, your shepherd is awesome. An old poem written by I have no idea who. Had I 10,000 tongues, not one should silent be. Had I 10,000 hearts, I'd give them all to thee. Why? Because he is a good, great chief shepherd. And he cares for me. I pray that's true of you today. Let us pray as Brother Jeff comes to lead us in song. Father, thank you. I need this word. I need a good shepherd. Lord, you take me to grass and water every day, and tomorrow I'd wake up lost. I need a good shepherd. I pray today that your saints, your sheep, would be refreshed and restored, set back on their feet, led in a right path as you take a hold of them and lead them in a way that will bring you glory and will be for their good. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.